Off the Ball, with thanks to Ford. Introducing the newest member of our team, the mighty new Ford C-Max. Ford, driving expectations even further. I'm just here so I won't get fined. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! LeBron James at the buzzer! It's got to be one of the dumbest calls offensively in Super Bowl history. Are you kidding me? Hard hit into right. Back at the wall. Tall game! Big puppy. The grand slam. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Donnie Mann, he's here in the studio for US Sports at Balls.ie. Hello. Joe, what's up, man? Uh, lots is up. Lots is going on. How are you? Um, I'm doing all right. I can't complain. It's just so much going on right now. There's a lot going on, and um, it's an interesting U.S. sports. Finally, we have Kevin Cullen, uh, my favorite U.S. sports contributor. You'll remember we had him on, on. to talk about the Boston Olympics. The failed sure. bid, of course, and now yeah, he's yeah. back again. That was back in May. So we'll go on to Kevin in just a moment. We talked about the Chicago Cubs, our beloved Chicago Cubs, finally back in World mm. Series playoffs. How have they been doing? Fill us in. Well, we spoke last Tuesday, as we do at this time every every week, yeah. and... It was the eve of the Chicago Cubs playing the Pittsburgh Pirates in a one-game playoff. Yes. They won it. Wow. They won it in style. Brilliant pitching performance. Uh, some fight, you know, it's kind of a bit of a tense game. The, the bench the, the bench is cleared at one stage. There was an amazing gif of a Pittsburgh Pirate pitcher punching the water cooler like it, like it was like a punching bag. It was crazy. He, it was mad to see. Anyway, Cubs won that. Then they moved on. Yeah. Well, they, they've already played since. Well, look, no, not only that, they've started a series with their arch rivals, their nemesis, the St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, yeah. They've already played three games of that series. Right. And tonight at Wrigley Field, mm-hmm. the Chicago Cubs will be pitching to take the series and go to the NLDS and only be one step away from the World Series. So, oh. like, it's... It's going very well for them. They have a difficult game tonight against a pitcher on the Cardinals who owns them. Right. But uh, if if some if some luck goes their way, you know, we could be talking next week. Yeah. About like a Chicago Cubs World Series bid, a serious oh. one. So I'm pulling for the Cubs here because we were talking about them at the start of the season. Mm. We talked about them last week. Yeah. I mean, They've been waiting a long time. 1907. That's a long time ago. 1908 is a great story. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Don't look that one year. Yeah, sure. Um, on the other side of that, of the National League bracket, is another team that you you would like to get behind as well. Uh-huh. The New York Mets. No. Ah, you would. Why? It's the team of Jerry Seinfeld. Basically, every New York stand-up comedian supports the Mets. Right. It's part of the fabric of uh, stand-up comedy for some reason. They love the Mets. The Mets have been terrible for a while. They got kind of screwed by their owner in a... Um, in a sort of a Ponzi scheme once the economy collapsed in America in 2008. And they fought their way back. And they're, they've had a really interesting thing happen to them. Their, their shortstop, a guy named Ruben Tejada, he was in the middle of a double play ball, right? Routine thing. He was stepping on the base, throwing, throwing the guy out at first. A, a guy in the Dodgers named Chase Utley comes in, slides at him, takes him out, breaks his leg. Oh. A leg breaker. The New York Mets fans did not take this well. <laughs> no. And when Shane, Ut- when Chase Utley was introduced at Chase Stadium or whatever they call it now, uh, City Field, here is how he was welcomed by the Mets faithful. 
They don't like him. They don't like him. There's nothing like uh, New York fans booing people. It's one of the great things about American sports when and when a when a guy becomes a uh, public enemy number one. And this guy Utley has become the sort of like he's become the villain. Uh, there's fans with signs at the game last night. Chase Utley loves ISIS. This oh, kind wow. of stuff. Okay. So he's made the leap. He's he's entered the sort of New yeah. York Hall of Fame. I'm still I'm still pulling for the Cubs, but you've sold the Mets to me I, we, a little bit. What could be great is a Cubs Mets uh, NLDS. That's the dream. Yeah. We've got Kevin Cullen of the Boston Globe waiting patiently on the line. Evening, Kevin. How are you, boys? Good, good. So, um, I mean, we want to talk about this very interesting story uh, surrounding fantasy football sites. But um, maybe just just set the scene for us here, because I'm always eternally surprised, or I certainly was the first time I heard it, when um, the centre of world capitalism and such a sporting nation actually does not have a, a legalised gambling um, system outside of Nevada. It's always one of those eternal weird quirks of a of a nation who loves to bet as well. Exactly. It's it, it, it. You know, I've explained this to Irish friends over the years, and they're like. Between the way we have guns in this country and the way we don't allow sports betting, they just think, what a crazy country, and I agree. Yeah. I mean, my feeling on this is, if you look at it, uh, it's, it's shocking that it took this long for it to happen, because Congress actually created this sort of exemption back in the mid-'90s that uh, if you on, it, was, it was specifically to address online gambling. And what they said is, and it was really preposterous as most laws that come out of Washington are, that if you um, bet on the performance of individual players as opposed to teams, that takes it from being an act of gambling to an act of skill. Now, I think that's crazy. I mean, you know, so the idea that on Sunday I couldn't bet on Ireland against France, but I could say that Madigan was going to come off the bench and score points and I would immediately be a winner. Uh, that's a game of skill because I had to guess that Johnny Sexton got hurt or for whatever reason Madigan came on to kick points. So it's this distinction that is really absurd, but it it, it also, it goes to the heart of sort of the Puritan and the sort of uh, the the prohibitionist uh, strain in this country, which is generally comes out of the evangelical strain of this country, which is very involved in our politics. So we've always, but I mean, here in Massachusetts, for example, most liberal state in the country, we go along with this facade. So we have, you know, and I did this when I was a young reporter. The state, Massachusetts State Police, basically put the mafia out of business. When I was a kid, the mafia ran what everybody called the number, and the number was based on the the handle that day or the previous day at Hylia Racetrack in in Florida, and so people would pick numbers. And then the mafia guys, or even the Irish organized crime guys, the guys from like the Winter Hill Gang in, in Somerville and, and the, the McLaughlin group and uh, crew in Charlestown, they all had the number. And then the, the government made this concerted effort over a period of 30 years to put organized crime out of the gambling business. And what did the government do? It usurped it. Now the biggest bookie in the state is the state. The Massachusetts Lottery, for example, has the highest per capita um, pay uh, highest percentage betting of any place in the United States. People in Massachusetts spend more 
on the on the state lottery than any other state in the United States. So obviously we gamble here. Yeah. But there's this sort of, you know, what happened is a bunch of young, you know, ambitious, very internet savvy kids came up with this idea. Why don't we put together a website and we can act and, and uh, abiding by the law, we can have people assemble their fantasy teams in any sport. It's all sports. And and then we will, you know, you have to guess how you, you put that team together. And at the end of that, that say, the NFL weekend, who has the best numbers in, in, in passes completed, passes received, rushing yardage. And then you, you're, you're matched up against everybody else. Now, this is a, it, almost overnight, it is a $4 billion industry here in the United States. And the DraftKings out of Boston and FanDuel out of New York they are absolutely ubiquitous. They are they, they are spending something like fifty seven million dollars almost each on on advertising this year. That's and they're like every other commercial on every other sporting event that you're watching on. And then it's more than that. You have ESPN, the biggest sports you know uh, purveyor in this country. They are partnered up. They're not just covering it. They are making money off this. And so they actually have segments on television to encourage people to do this and also advising people how to pick teams and who they should pick. And the one thing that really worries me beyond the money of all this is that, and I've seen it with some of my friends, the game is almost incidental now. Yeah. People are watching to make money. And this is even, I think, more shocking. There, There are 300 million people in the United States. 70 million of them have engaged in one of these fantasy sites. Wow. And bet money on it. Wow. So it's it, it, and it, it, what you see is you know the, the the all the the net all the um, professional sports leagues the major league baseball, uh, national football league, national basketball association, national hockey league, the four big sports here in America they have always been we will not have sports betting it's 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 against the law and it will ruin the games. Now fast forward to today. Major League Baseball is a prime partner of DraftKings. The Patriots here in uh, New England, uh, the New England Patriots are, are partners with DraftKings. ESPN are partners. So you have all the sports leagues basically getting in bed with this and, and going along with the farce and the, the fiction that this isn't gambling. But of course it's gambling. People are, are putting wagers down, and some people are getting returns, and most people are not. Okay. Uh, I think that, you know, when you think that four billion dollars are going to be wagered uh, on this, and you don't, and you won't call that gambling, yeah. I, I think you're living in cloud cuckoo land. Kevin, I was reading an op-ed that uh, the NBA commissioner Adam Silver wrote uh, back in 2014, saying basically calling for uh, the legalization of sports gambling. I mean, yep. I mean, Silver's the only one honest enough to say it. Yeah, are we, I give him credit to be uh, honest. How how might a sort of a, like how a front be sort of mounted for a kind of like a legalization? I mean, I, I know it's run state by state, obviously, right? Yeah, well, there's federal laws on gambling, and then there are state laws, and so you know that the federal law supposedly supersedes everything, but you know there are exceptions to some of that. But I, I mean, I, this is going to develop. This is not going away because there's too much money involved. Mm. Now, the, the weird thing is that you know. The, the arguments against sports betting date back to, you know, the Black Sox scandal involving the Chicago White Sox in 1919 throwing the uh, World Series. Uh, some gamblers put money on the White Sox, then paid off a number of their, their important players to throw games. And the gamblers made, 
lots of money. But, you know, the money that those guys were involved in compared to this, $4 billion, that was chump change back then. It involved a handful of gangsters. It wasn't really a big deal in terms of a conspiracy. The, the, the opportunity to, and right now this is the other thing that I should point out, these organizations, the DraftKings and FanDuel make up the majority of the market, but there are other organizations, they are not regulated. They are not covered under any federal or state regulation. So they basically do what they want. In fact, the guy in DraftKings, when he was confronted, this all came to the head about uh, two weeks ago. When one of the DraftKings guys, it turned out, one of, somebody who was an employee for them, bet, on the, bet with the competing organization, FanDuel, and made $350,000 on a weekend. And he almost he kind of bragged about it. The, but the issue for other people that are doing is say, wait a minute, the guy works at DraftKings, so presumably he knows what the average fan, what, who are they picking for their fantasy teams? Who are they putting on, in this case, if it was NHL hockey, who are they, who are they picking? And, who, and, and so I'm gonna pick, he would go out and pick not what everybody else is picking, but a slightly different team so that he would maximize you know, his bet. And so there are a lot of people saying this is the equivalent of insider trading. Mm. But there is no regular, you know, and DraftKings and FanDuel put out a joint statement saying they're ethically above board and to trust them. And I, in my column today, I compared it to back in the 60s and 70s when the mafia guys and the Irish, got, the Irish guys in Somerville and Charlestown and the, and the Italian guys in the north end of Boston would always be going around to potential bettors and, and reassuring them that the number was legit. Yeah. That, you know, they would never cheat with this based on the number at Hylia, and you can't fool around with that, which is nonsense because they fix races down there all the time. Yeah. But, you know, it was that, it, it, it kind of was preposterous that these guys were saying, trust us. Yeah. But, but they, they have no regulation now. So one of the things that's going to come out of this, and the, the Attorney General in New York seems very serious about going after this. The Attorney General in Massachusetts, Mara Healy, she sees, she's kind of like milk toast on this. I don't know what she's going to do about it. But our treasurer, Deb Goldberg, she wants a cut of the action. She's like saying, wait a minute, this money, we're, and that, that to me is the other hypocrisy here, is the government you know, says gambling, illegal gambling is wrong, except when we do it. Yeah. And you know, I, I think we just need to be honest here. I, I've always thought you know, the government should not be in a, in a, enticing people to, to engage in activity that we know is regressive. We know that in, say, in Massachusetts, for example, the working class suburb of Weymouth routinely subsidizes the richest suburbs like Wellesley because people in Wellesley are educated and wealthy and they don't play the lottery. And people in, in working class neighborhoods are playing the lottery and that money is being taken by the, the state of Massachusetts and divvied up to pay for services in various towns. So you have hardly anyone in the rich suburbs playing a lottery, and you have almost everyone in the working class uh, neighborhoods playing it. So it, it, to me, it's, I think it's nuts. I think they should privatize it all and tax the, the bejeebers out of them. Just take, take yeah. as much tax as yeah. humanly possible and, let, and, 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 and highly regulate the, the business. But as we all know, you put enough money into – I mean, how many – Scandals have there been just in Syria? You know, it, it, the amount of potential for scandal in American professional sports to me is just skyrocketing under this whole idea. And the, and the con, you know, if, if anybody believes that people won't use inside information in these sites sure. to their own advantage, they're, they're very naive. Yes. Kevin, thanks a million for being with us. 
Off the Ball. Getting inside the game. Sponsored by Ireland's favourite car brand, Ford. Go further.